this week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about simplification of sand before you start to think about moving into the hybrid cloud. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have a couple of special guests to talk to us all about what's going on with Brocade and sand simplification and hybrid cloud and all these things. Uh, So with us today I brought along AJ Casamento. So AJ, what do you do and how do I reach you? Yeah, thanks Justin. So I'm AJ Casamento and I work as a principal R&D engineer here at the um, at the Brocade Storage Networking Division of Broadcom, and I can be reached at aj.casamento, that's C-A-S-A-M-E-N-T-O, at broadcom.com. All right, excellent. Also with us today is Ant Terrell. So Ant, what do you do, and how do we reach you? Uh, hey, Justin. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a principal consulting architect uh, based in EMEA, and I spend a lot of time kind of talking to customers and partners and helping to um, build hybrid cloud solutions, I guess, you know, explaining how our products work and, and helping customers to design the, the, you know, the, those solutions in their environments. You can get me at my email address, which is tyrrell at netapp.com, so T-Y-R-E-L-L. All right, excellent. So uh, before we get started with what we're going to talk about today, let's talk about Brocade slash Broadcom. So uh, AJ, uh, give us the overview. Uh, the Brocade Storage Networking Division is one of, uh, soon with the acquisition of uh, VMware, we will be one of 23 divisions at, at, uh, at Broadcom. Uh, Broadcom is um, pretty <laughs> pretty broad ranging. If, you, if you've got a, a cell phone, a set-top box, Ethernet switches in your environment, there's pretty good chances that we've got chips playing somewhere in your world. Uh, Wi-Fi is Wi-Fi as well, but on the Brocade Storage Networking side, we've been a partner for NetApp for more than 20 years now, providing the fiber channel storage networking side of the uh, of the NetApp storage environments, and so that's um, that's really what what uh, what Brocade has been a linchpin in in the in the development of of storage area networking technologies with uh, with NetApp. You know, you guys do a lot with uh, our sand divisions, uh, but also, you know, we're we're getting more and more into the realm of hybrid cloud now, and NetApp has a unique approach to that. So, Ant, kind of talk to us about how NetApp does that. It's a pretty broad topic, Justin, as well. You know, there's there's lots of complexity in, in a lot of this stuff these days, but but certainly one thing we've definitely seen a huge push for from lots of our customers and combined customers, both you know, both both NetApp and Brocade, Broadcom customers, is that desire to move to move workloads to the cloud for a variety of reasons, you know, whether it's new workloads or a simplification of some of their kind of application stacks, or, or maybe just trying to get out of a data center fundamentally. You know, real estate is, isn't exactly cheap in some parts of the world. So being able to remove an entire room full of equipment and all of the energy costs associated with that, that's a pretty appealing situation for some customers. As AJ said, I've been a part of Brocade for a long time, but for our journey, probably changed about six or seven years ago a little bit, or not changed, but shifted gears a little. Um, but, and that was when we first kind of come to market with that kind of data fabric strategy, which essentially kind of has rolled into what we now call a hybrid cloud solution and, and hybrid cloud strategies. And fundamentally, that means being able to take take your data and your applications and put them in the right place at the right time for the right price. And that doesn't always mean a, an on-premise 
fiber channel sand environment that could mean we need to take some of those workloads and move them you know to a, an azure or an aws or a google cloud um you know whatever suits and i think NetApp have tried to be that kind of that broker of that transition for some of our customers we want to make sure that if there is a cloud journey to be had that, that they were able to help and a lot of the things that we do a lot of the partnerships that we have are very much geared towards that um, you know, we have our own cloud products and cloud services, which are completely separate from some of these conversations. Um, but yeah, certainly that certainly the partnership with VMware and, and Broadcom, that, that's a very, very strong one, has been for a number of years. And we'll probably know that we'll get much closer with, with the acquisition. But yeah, the NetApp kind of philosophy is making sure that our customers can, can get to the cloud as easily, as smoothly as possible. And in some cases, coming back, right? You know, so not every workload should always stay in the cloud once it gets there. Some of these kind of new organizations that have become customers of NetApp, they've been so-called born in the cloud, in inverted commas. And that's great up to a certain size. And then maybe some of those environments, once they start to scale, it may sometimes it makes some some sense to bring those up into an on-premise infrastructure. And things like, you know, really, really low latency, really high performance workloads. Cloud has certainly gotten a hell of a lot better last few years, but there is still merit in those kind of, you know, tier zero, tier one applications. Being, being on-premise, you know, right next to, to, to where that data is needed. You know, that's where things like NVMe over Fiber Channel and the combination that we've got with, with the likes of VMware and Broadcom, that, that's where that, that strategy really lights up. You know, we can take that workload on-premise, which is really, really low latency, high performance, and maybe we can spin up a backup copy or a DR copy or, a, you know, some test and development in the cloud um, using some of the NetApp tools and functionality. So... There's a lot of things going on these days, and it's becoming more and more difficult to keep up with these new features as they come out and new solutions as they come out. But yeah, NetApp's philosophy is to be a broker in the middle of that, you know, to help our customers to satisfy their cloud journey needs as best we can. So AJ, you know, I know that Brocade has a history of on-prem hardware, you know, fiber channel networks, but now we have to move more towards a cloud approach. How is Brocade handling that hybrid cloud migration? Yeah, it's a it's a good question, and I think you know one of the points that that Ant made is is that um, you have to be you have to be flexible, you have to be adaptable. And by the way, people's businesses and applications change, right? And so you know you you end up in scenarios where you know sometimes a solution set that's been really good for a period of time, you know needs needs to get morphed or modified, or you know you do end up with environments where you know people think, oh, we're gonna we're gonna spin this up, we'll put it in, we'll put it in the cloud, you know, life will be grand, and then they they determine that. Um, for a set of characteristics, they they need to move it back on prem, and I think that's one of the advantages that that NetApp provides to that discussion is is hey, you know, what what does the application and what does the business case need, and that's the thing that that, that you want to chase, not not necessarily being wed to a particular design uh, as a as a permanent kind of kind of structure. As one of my early mentors said to me, you know, technology occasionally makes for pretty good tools; it makes for really bad religion. So. It's not a scenario where you want to you want to wedge yourself to something and say this will never change. And so, one of the things that that we've seen is as customers are trying to take advantage of some of the technology increments that NetApp's been bringing out, both in in AFF hardware as well as in ONTAP, is providing that infrastructure in the on-prem case, and in particular, helping people sort out like what what have I got? What am I doing? Um, which which pieces are are my highest consumers and so on and so there's things that we've been doing in our platforms that that let people more readily 
uh, discern that. And so when we're, you know, part of the conversation today that we're hoping to have is refreshing that SAN infrastructure, that on-prem infrastructure with NetApp into a Gen 7 environment. Well, why the hell would it matter, Justin? Well, because we've now got the capability to, from a configuration standpoint, and, and you know, Ant can correct me if he thinks I drift, but I don't think it gets much simpler than, hey, connect your servers um, and your AFF uh, NetApp platforms to the Gen 7 brocade SAN gear you know, cable it up through the zoning, power it on, and that's the end of your configuration. From that standpoint, we start learning, and so we're gonna we're gonna immediately learn. You know, if you take one of the X7 directors from from NetApp for our SAN, we're gonna learn up to seventy two thousand flows, right? Initiator target one or initiator target namespace ID. If the customer's begun to migrate into NVMe or wants to look at migrating into NVMe, so being able to look and see, hey, what are these individual applications doing? Like what are the what are the actual metrics um, that we're seeing? What's what's going on in the uh, in the environment? If I decide to migrate, you know, with a, with a NetApp solution set, Justin, you can readily uh, in VMware, and, and this is part of the the NetApp verified architecture that you're going to be providing a link to in the podcast. Is hey, you can literally select which virtual machines you want to look at migrating. You present the, the namespace ID, which is a, in, in NVMe space is a logical equivalent of a LUN in SCSI. Create that in through through ONTAP tools in the platform. Present that back to vSphere, right? And then the vSphere admin can choose out of this list of virtual machines and looking at the performance and the metrics that we can give them jointly with NetApp for what the for what the AFF platform is seeing. You can say, hey, okay, these three guys right here, these are my these are my high kickers. These are my real performing apps. These are the things that the application owner is most likely to yell at me about. Let me migrate these over to the data store on NVMe. And the really cool thing about that is you can do that in vSphere with a live storage vMotion on the infrastructure, not touch a cable, not take an outage in the application, right? And you just literally changed the language you were using to talk to the storage in the NetApp AFF. I think that's a pretty brilliant shift, right? And then you may take those same metrics and look at it and go, okay, so like these 20 or 30 guys, you know, they don't, they don't have the need for the same infrastructure. So let me use my NetApp tool suite to look at, you know, migrating those uh, into, a, into a hybrid cloud environment. So, I, you know, I think that, that kind of flexibility plays really, really nicely, but it requires an infrastructure that knows what's going on. And that's one of the things that we do. And there's there's some other pieces we'll talk about in those terms in terms of like traffic optimizer and, and something new in, in the learning for the flows that I want to I want to speak to called virtual machine ID tagging. But I, I'm going to take a breath here and see if, if Ant has anything he wants to kick in on that discussion. Yeah, that kind of story that you've outlined, I think one thing you did miss was just the sheer performance difference involved in what we've been t- just talked about there. So moving from a from a SCSI-based fiber channel connection over to an NVMe over FC connection, we can see those numbers in the, the NetApp validated architecture that, that you mentioned earlier. It, it's pretty much double performance, right? You know, double the IOPS and a significant drop in latency, as much as half, you know, half the latency we've seen in some testing. So to be able to do that in an infrastructure without, like you say, without touching a cable, without powering a, another piece of hardware on, you can literally do that with, with the existing infrastructure today. If you've got the right, you know, you've got the right versions of ONTAP and the right hardware and the right switches, that's a huge, huge differentiator, really. And I think when you scale that out to, you know, to large environments, the reduction potentially in the amount of compute you need could be significant. And it's always a difficult kind of conversation to have. But when you start to talk about how some of those platforms are licensed, 
if that's an Oracle license or some other type of a license, it, you know, th- th- there's a legitimate potential there to reduce costs as well as gain and performance. So it is a, a fairly rosy picture, I think. It's just uh, hopefully more and more people get to understand that and, and maybe start to make use of it, particularly with the, the likes of VMware now, you know, vSphere 7 that's supporting all these NVMe protocols. Um, you know, the ecosystem is, is, is maturing nicely um, around that protocol. Stand. Yeah, it, ha- it has done, and it, yeah, I think you're quite right to bring to bring that point up. Um, you know, if you can license, because I mean, almost all of these run on licensing the number of cores, and if you can license fewer cores to get the same workload or get more virtual machines per core, right? Software dollars are dollars too, or euros. That's money out of somebody's budget, right? Whether it goes to the uh, the expense side or the capital side, you know, you can you can argue, but um, it still has to be accounted for in somebody's budget. Yeah, absolutely. And not just VM, but I did want to make another point there, AJ, too, with the latest version of ONTAP 9.11 that we released last month or the, or the month before, actually. So it is nice and easy to move VMs around in a VMware context gone between FC and NVMe FC. But we've also just released a piece of functionality in ONTAP directly where we can actually flip a fiber channel run over to be an NVMe namespace without moving any data around. That's a pretty cool way of making that transition again. You know, without pulling any cables and you know rezoning things, it's simply a case of very briefly disconnecting you know the host in terms of the, the zone mapping, you know, the mapping to the lungs in, in ONTA, flipping it over to a, an NVMe namespace, and then redoing that zone and to use the NVMe paths. That's a very very interesting piece of technology, which removes the kind of worry really of moving some of these big applications between protocols if the data doesn't have to move anywhere. You know, we're just yep. changing some metadata inside of ONTAP, so that's a that's another new feature that we've only just released. That's hopefully going to help to encourage more customers to, to look at the whole NVMe over FC route. One would think so, right? I mean, it, for one thing, it saves on storage space. You're not creating a mirror of the data store. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then you're also not taking the time to do it, you know, or any any worries or concerns around what that might do to, to performance of the platform. And I, I don't think I've heard of that capability from anybody else other than yourselves, Ant. Not that I'm aware of, AJ. I think it's difficult sometimes to stay abreast of the competition. <laughs> yeah. I've yeah. not come across other vendors who can do that. Being able to move between on-prem and the cloud, ONTAP is a very versatile platform in that sense. We can actually manipulate that LUN to be presented via fiber channel iSCSI or, or NVMe namespaces, and we can do that on-prem or in the cloud now. So Yeah, and the, the bi-directional portion of it as well, because you know the, whether it's a capacity issue, whether it's a recovery time issue, because sometimes... You know, something, well, you know, I can buy tons of capacity. Yeah, you can do. But but then if your recovery mechanism requires transferring all of that data back again, yeah. you know, yeah. can, that can take a little bit of time. And recovery windows are critical to people, right? You know, that's that's the cost mechanism, right? It's always funny to me that, you know, the conversation has two parameters to it, one of which is the cost opportunity of the data lost, but the other is the cost opportunity of the, the window for which the application is not available, right? And yeah. And unfortunately, those aren't uniform because people have actual businesses with actual business cycles in them. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pick on somebody like a Ticketmaster, which is a, an outfit, an online ticketing agency here in, here in the States. And given a particular event coming up, their cost window for their application being unavailable for, you know, 20 minutes is very, very different if there's a major event that everybody's trying to get tickets to, right? It's not a uniform cost. So it's it's yeah, nice yeah. to have that flexibility that ONTAP provides to go in either direction, either putting the applications out there, um, but then if needs be, and, and it needs to be back on-prem, you know, get it back on-prem. 
Yeah, and, and the same with that namespace to lung conversion. That's that's a two-way street too. You know, so if you want to run some tests over a weekend where you want to flip a lung to be a namespace and run some MVM over FC testing, you know, take a snapshot before you do that. And then yeah, you can flip that guy back to be a normal fiber channel lung again and go back to the way you were. There's this flexibility in both directions there, both you know, yeah. into the cloud and back again, but also on-prem, you know, flipping between the protocols. And again, I think that does allow ONTAP to stand out a little bit as, a, as an operating system. I don't think there's, there's any other storage or operating systems out there that are as flexible as that. Yeah, and I think another first that I, that I wanted to give NetApp kudos for is the fact that you were the very first array to support virtual machine ID tagging, um, which is you know something that's been in the fiber channel standard for all of the Gen 6 lifecycle. But ONTAP was the first platform to actually do that. And, and just for the sake of the folks on the listening end of this who may not be familiar with it, um, basically, this is supported all the way back to VMware version 5.5. So this has been around a while. And what basically happens is that VMware hands the UUID, the unique identifier of the virtual machine, to the HBA in the server, the fiber channel HBA in the server. The server then registers that with the fabric, right, and gets a unique identifier for the virtual machine. That unique identifier is now written into a previously unused location, the fiber channel header, and NetApp with their AFF platforms within ONTAP actually recognizes this, you know, does the right things with it, returns the value to us as part of the transaction. And why that becomes critical in my head anyway, is that what that gives us is the functional equivalent of something we call IO insight in our platforms all the way to the virtual machine. So for example, let's say, and, and you know, and probably thinks that I pick on the database guys too often, but you know, if, if you have a database admin who's, among your more finicky or, or particular customers um, who pokes at you every time he thinks that, that the storage is the root of all evil for performance on his database. Because it can't ever be a, a table scan that he did or a bad join or, you know, some of query. Of course not. No, no, none of, none of those things, right? That's, they never make those mistakes, right? So <laughs> particularly not if they're an Oracle DBA, right? Those guys never make an error. But if somehow the stars aligned and they did, it's really nice to be able to say, well, you know, actually, here's the latency of the first read response to the database query. Here's the exchange completion times. Here's the pending I.O. on the port, for God's sake, right? It's not my AFF platform. Thank you very much for stopping by. Would you like a cup of coffee to take back to your desk, right? It's a much more fun conversation. Well, now we can do that to the virtual machine. Now we can give you visibility all the way to the application writing in that VM. And that's just brilliant, right? Because... Now I can see, you know, NetApp has for several years been describing the scenario of how do you figure out, you know, bully and victim. And, and you know, one of the customers made the point to me a few months ago, and he said, you know, it's not always going to be the bully we move because sometimes the bully is the really critical app. And, and so maybe the victims we move away from the, from the bully, right? But just being able to see that and to know, because most storage admins don't have the vSphere login, they don't have the visibility. And it's like being asked to walk into a room of children that are in a massive pile, struggling, hitting, crying, you know, a bunch of, bunch of six or seven-year-olds. And you're supposed to, without even knowing the names, you're supposed to figure out who hit who first and, and get things sussed out, right? So, you know, how do you do that? NetApp was the, the first array and to do that, you know, take that leadership position and do the VMID tagging. So, you know, well done you. Yeah, that was back in 9.8 of ONTAP, just to, for anyone who's interested, ATA. <laughs> so yeah. it's been out a little while. Yeah, it's been out a little while. One of the things that is different now with the latest releases of, of the Gen 7 Fabric OS with our 9.1 release and our SanNav 2.2.1 release is 
we can now give you the visualization of that data. You can now go into SandNav and, and you, you can call up the port and see the virtual machines and see the throughputs. You can go into investigative mode and get real-time data down to five-second granularities on the flows on that port, right? So the, the ability to, to not just do the measurement, but the ability to visualize that, that data and, and to use that data for troubleshooting purposes as well, or thresholding purposes, you know, that's something that's, that's a bit of a change. And so to tie it back so that Justin doesn't kick me in the knee here shortly and say, hey, you know, bring us back on topic, AJ, to tie that back to, to hybrid cloud. What if you could start looking at long-term histograms on these virtual machines and say, hey, you know, these 30 or 60 are probably safe to go play cloud with. These other ones, perhaps not, you know, these have too, too high a latency consideration to get moving off and that kind of thing. So if you know that and you, you can see those metrics and you can actually have the histogram on that stuff, that, that just makes the, the decision tree so much easier, I think, Anne. Absolutely, mate. And this isn't always necessarily about moving those workloads needed. You know, I think I'll bring this back to an on-site conversation for a second, if that's okay. But, you know, it's not just always about moving the workload itself. We've got functionality in ONTAP now where if, if you have got a, you know, a workload that's requires low latency and, and, and high performance and, and we maybe can't quite get there yet with some of the cloud providers, you can obviously just leave that workload on-prem, but you can still offload a lot of the tertiary kind of data associated with it, whether that's, you know, backup data or, or cold data. You know, we've got a couple of mechanisms where things like Fabric Pearl, where, where we can take blocks that have not been read for, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever you want to set that to. And we just quietly and invisibly move those blocks off to a cloud provider. But primarily with block workloads, you, you maybe want to concentrate on doing that with snapshot data uh, as opposed to the actual, you know, the actual data from the LUN itself. But it is doable. You know, you can you can move block data using Fabric Pearl. And equally, if you don't want to even go down that road, we've got the option of a cloud backup service now. So you can just send your backups directly from an on-tap system into the cloud if those backups are, you know, database environments like, like, like we were talking about. That maybe simplifies that whole SAN environment if you can remove tape from it completely and just say, you know what? I want to take these Oracle databases and dump them straight on a, an S3 bucket in Amazon or Azure. That's another part of that, that hybrid cloud conversation that, that maybe is worth touching on is we don't always have to move the workload. You know, there are other ways to offload some of this stuff into, into the cloud for, for a variety of reasons, whether it's, like I said before, reducing data center footprints or getting your energy costs down. Um, you know, I don't think there's many data centers on the planet that are more efficient than some of these large cloud providers. So it kind of makes sense to move a lot of these dormant workloads and tertiary parts of the applications out to the cloud providers wherever we can, wherever we can do that. So a simplification, what I'm hearing here is, you know, we've got things like reducing the number of moving parts, right? Like taking out some of the hardware out of the equation, moving to cloud in some cases, taking out FCP from the equation, using NVMe over Ethernet, right? So being able, or sorry, TC, over TCP. Um, so being able to do stuff like that. Backup and restores, making that simpler by taking out things like tape backups, automatic tiering, being able to migrate data easily. Am I missing anything? I mean, are, are we looking at more than that for simplification? Because that sounds like a lot already. It does. Yeah, that's quite the laundry list. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty big bucket list. I think you know a couple other things that NetApp provides um, in in their SAN infrastructure that's quite useful. You know, when you look at this refresh piece, one of the other pieces that we have in here in the Gen 7 gear is, is this concept of traffic optimizer. And so one of the things that I will say, and I think Ant's probably 
probably tripped over the exact same thing and Justin yourself as well is because none of us are in our 20s anymore. Um, and we've seen a couple, three data centers over time and uh, customers always have a mix of generations of technologies on the floor. I, I never get to see anybody who, I mean, even if they get to build a greenfield data center, the stuff they're moving into it, there's always multiple legacy applications that are running on platforms. I mean, heaven help us, I've got customers running variants of Solaris that are coming up on 20 years old um, because there's no replacement for the application and so on. But that aside, you know, you, you've got servers that are four, six, eight years old, older versions of networking gear and, and so on, and older versions of operating systems. And so the mismatch of performance between those generations of technology are sometimes an issue. If you've got platforms, you know, customers who've hung on to their NetApp platforms or hung on to other storage platforms that are running four gig interfaces or eight gig interfaces and so on, you know, they need time to get migrated off of them. Well, when you just throw that into a general mix, you know, that can be problematic in a shared infrastructure uh, space. And then, by the way, this is true regardless of whether we're talking about Ethernet, fiber channel, you know, take your, take your pick. It doesn't really matter. Everybody has the same problem. And, and what we've done is in the interswitch link, so think about it as I'll use London as the example, the bridges over the Thames. What if you had 64 lanes in each direction? And what if you had performance groups that are broken up into four lane performance groups, right? And so the folks like myself, for the, the grandfather in the family car and you know and ants, ants on his way to the to the, <laughs> to the airport for his holiday in cancun he doesn't want to be behind me on, on the way to heathrow we have a performance group for 16 gig and under we've got a performance group for 32 gig scuzzy another one for 32 gig nvme because to ant's point when you can get double the iops and latency lower by half by moving to nvme over fiber channel fabric as opposed to running scuzzy over fiber channel fabric you don't want those two traffics necessarily intermixed. And one of the really cool things about this is it's the same kind of configuration you went through for the learning of the flows. You connect up your, your NetApp AFF platforms to, to the Gen 7 fabric, you know, you get them all cabled in place, you get them zoned and you power them on. And that's the, there's, there's no step four. It just learns based on destination port ID. So if the AFF platform is talking back to a server that's running at eight gig or 16 gig because it hasn't been replaced or refreshed yet, or there wasn't the budget to replace it yet, right? That goes into the right performance group. And if it's responding to another platform, that's a 32 gig server or even a 64 gig server, right? That goes into the right performance group and it does it automatically. You didn't have to configure anything. So getting all that stuff sorted out by refreshing your environment and modernizing your environment into Gen 7 fabrics with the NetApp AFF platforms is a huge savings for people just in the amount of time and effort um, they're, they're putting into it. And now NetApp's also been working on supporting the fabric performance impact notifications. So the, our, our ability to tell the, the AFF platform, you know, when there's a congestion problem with the server it's talking to, right? The server's oversubscribed as an example and so on. This progression is something that I think is going to be really key for people in helping them manage their environments with less handholding. And then that gives them the time to go figure out what data or what workloads they might want to move into a hybrid cloud infrastructure. All right. So we're also talking about simplification through centralized management, right? Like being able to do everything under one umbrella. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like we've got a lot of options here to make things easier. So how do we simplify the simplification, <laughs> right? Like how do we kind of encapsulate it all into one thing? One good place maybe, Justin, is I think AJ touched on this earlier. There's a, a new NetApp verified architecture that was just released uh, literally a 
few days ago, NVA 1168. And that kind of walks you through step by step how, how you build that kind of solution. It is specific to, you know, to a VMware and a Windows kind of SQL server set up. But I mean, you've got to start somewhere, right? You know, so that one kind of prescribed solution really that will walk a customer through all of the component parts, how to set it up, how to run the work well test that we put up, you know, put against that solution. That's a nice way, maybe as a as a starting point to have a read of that document to give some of our listeners an idea of the steps involved and the building blocks involved. I would agree. And I think once you've had a read through that, you know, just reach out to your favorite NetApp consultant and you know just have a chat about having NetApp come in and, and work with you to refresh your SAN infrastructure and your storage infrastructure into a combination of you know, Brookade Gen 7 and AFF platforms running the best version of ONTAP you can get to as rapidly as you can. So I think it was, was it 10.1 now? And, um, 9.11 it is the current one, AJ. That's, that's, the, 9. that's, 9. that's where we introduced that namespace conversion feature recently. Grand, grand, grand. So, you know, that's probably the, the simplest mechanism going forward. Have a read through the NetApp verified architecture, see what's involved, because I think you're going to find the steps are actually pretty straightforward. And then, you know, get in touch with your favorite NetApp folks and see about getting them to help you move into that new simplified SAN infrastructure. All right. Sounds like we got a lot of good things to think about here with simplification of SAN with Brocade and NetApp and ONTAP and all those good things. Um, so, Ant, uh, if I wanted to find more information about all this, uh, where would I do that? Yeah, so a couple of places. I mean, first off, just drop me an email, Justin, if that's, you know, a quick route. So, tittle at netapp.com, as I said earlier, T-Y-R-E-L-L. Or if you're a, you know, a NetApp customer partner, there's plenty of information up on the NetApp website. And these MVAs are downloadable as well from, from, from our field portal location if you're one of the NetApp partners. All right. And AJ, where would I find information about Brocade's efforts here? Yeah. So the link that I can suggest to folks is the broadcom.com slash products slash fiber channel networking. But to Ant's suggestion, you know, that, that verified architecture is a, a good place to have a a first look at what the recipe looks like for your next effort. All right, excellent. We'll include all those links in the uh, blog that we have accompanying this. And uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, AJ, if we wanted to contact you, how do we do that again? Again, it's aj.casamento, that's C-A-S-A-M-E-N-T-O at broadcom.com. And Ant? Yeah, it's tittle at netapp.com, just until T-Y-R-E-L-L at netapp.com. Excellent. We'll include those in the blog as well. Right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techcontactpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Ant Terrell as well as AJ Casamento for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.